Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is the man who was raised in Massachusetts, attended St. John's High School in Shrewsbury, where he played on the baseball team. He graduated in 2006. After high school, he attended Merrimack College, where he broke all of the school's pitching we'll records. We'll talk about a little bit. Absolutely. During the summer of 2008, he played for the Brockport River Bats in the NYCBL. His 6-1 record led the River Bats to the league championship. He was drafted by the Minnesota Twins in the 13th round of the 2010 Major League Baseball draft. In his Major League debut in 2015, this past month, he was signed to a minor league deal with the New York Mets and was invited to spring training. It is a pleasure to welcome Ryan O'Rourke to 540 AM Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you guys for having me. I mean, what a what an intro, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's our pleasure, and it's so interesting because your road to the majors is not unlike a lot of players. While we all hear about the, the first-round draft picks and the high draft picks, count the days and wonder, you know, are the teams going to burn a year of eligibility and bring them up? You spent parts of seven seasons in the twin system. You finally make it to the big leagues in year six and then again in year seven. You're a finance major in college. At any time riding those buses, was there a temptation to maybe head back home, pursue a job in that field? And if so, what made you continue with the dream of making it to the pros? Uh, yeah, actually, there was a, a very specific moment where that happened. I think it was after my year at uh, Fort Myers. Uh, I split it between Boyd Fort Myers, had about a 5 or 6 ERA, and came in the offseason, uh, worked a, a, an offseason job in financial investment research, and kind of parlayed that into a job offer and I was very, very close to taking it and I had actually called a bunch of the Twins front office, you know, from the GM all the way to my pitching coach in single A and I'd say more more, more of the people I called said to, to take the job because it seemed like a great opportunity but, uh, I, you know, from friends and family, they were the ones who kept, you know, pushing for me and I think that's a, a big reason of why, you know, why I do play this game like, you know, I, I play for them for all their sacrifices so, Obviously, I made the right decision, or I guess in, in a sense, yeah. I made the right decision, and, and that's where I am at now. So let, let's back up just a little bit. So, you know, you think about college baseball hotbeds, mm-hmm. and you think, you know, Florida State, USC, you know, you think all, all, all schools in, in the South and the West. And you end up going to Merrimack College, which is a Division three school. I'm looking at the schedule pretty much, right? Uh, uh, Assumption, St. Anselms, whatever the schools up there in the Northeast, although Adelphi was on there. So, yeah. You, you, what made you decide to go to Merrimack to play baseball? And at what point did you say, you know what, I want to see if I can be drafted, if I want to see if I can do this as a career? You know, it, was, it, it wasn't so more so that I went, went to Merrimack to play baseball. I really just went to Merrimack for college. They, have a, they had a great business school, great academics, and I just figured I'd go play a little baseball with, you know, make a bunch of new friends and, and then, you know, get a job after that. So. Uh, the coach, I mean, I wasn't really heavily recruited. He, uh, you know, he said that there was definitely a spot for me on the team, and it kind of ended up going there. And then, you know, I would say around my junior year when scouts started showing up to the game was when I kind of realized that, like, I had a chance to, to take it further. So it, during that climb in the minors in the twin system, who was your most influential coach or manager along the way up? Oh, there was, I mean, there were so many. I think each one of them was influential in their own way. Um, Gary Lucas is a pitching coach. 
Uh, he played for the, the Angels for uh, eight or nine years in the big leagues. There was Ivan Arteaga, a Venezuelan, who, who kind of showed me that, you know, it, you need to learn Spanish in order to interact with your teammates. Uh, Doug Mankiewicz, who played, won the World Series with the Red Sox. I mean, there was just so many, um, you know, coaches for off of that, but each one of them touched upon a different aspect of the game that I could learn from. Tuesday, July 7, 2015, target field, top of the ninth inning against the Orioles. Paul Molitor makes a call down to the bullpen. How much, you know, looking back now, did that moment mean to you, given the 286 minor league and foreign league games you've pitched in? Yeah, it was, I mean, it, it's indescribable. I, I have it saved on my phone. I, I, I don't even remember the outing, <laughs> to be dead honest with you. I don't remember running out there, throwing a pitch. I, I mean, obviously it, it went well, but, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, I look back at the the bus rides, the sacrifices, the the ups and downs. You know, to finally have that that one, I guess, shining moment to get out there on the big league mound and, and throw a pitch. I mean, just one pitch meant so much to me, and meant so much to my family. Now, somewhere along the line, you you picked up what I have to imagine is not such a pleasant mm-hmm. habit when you're called upon to pitch. Something that goes back to high school. So, can you tell our audience a little bit about that? You know, pregame ritual. Yeah. It's- you know, it, it happened sparingly in high school, a little bit there in college, too. Uh, I would, you know, vomit before I pitched. It, it, it's just funny that, you know, it, it got picked up like, you know, eight, nine years later when it, it, it had become, it wasn't even like a thing to, to my teammates anymore. They're like, oh, there, go, you know, there goes Ryan, like pretty normal. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, whether it's nerves or passion or anxiety or, I mean, there's just, I'm, I'm just really amped up and really, uh, you know, I just want to get out there. So is this? Uh, like, I can't. I can't wait in a, in a sense. So is this something? You know, Chuck Hernandez is a Mets' new bullpen coach. Um, so I'm wondering if when you report to Port St. Lucie, is this something you you need to let your teammate? Right. Because but I would you, imagine you, you if bring, they don't you bring know a bucket about it, with you after the bullpen, right, basically. Right. I, I imagine if they're not aware of it, they might be somewhat concerned. So do you have to you let them know ahead of time, or or I, what? I, I yeah, I really don't. I mean, when I was with Baltimore this year, you know. I guess rehab and going up their minor league system. I, I, I don't want to call attention to it because I think that, that, I mean, there's enough attention when it happens. So I just <laughs> let it happen. And, you know, how are people going to deal with it in the moments, how they're going to deal with it? It's, gotcha. you know, it's, it's normal for me, but you're right. I, I saw some kids kind of scatter away and give me like, are you, are you okay with it? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm fine. That's normal. Uh, I read somewhere that one of your favorite pitchers is Bob Gibson. And it's interesting because Bob Gibson pitched 13 years. The last time he was on the mound was 13 years before you were born. So right. h- how did you find out about Bob Gibson? What about him made him one of your favorites? Um, I had a – when I was in high school, I had a – actually, Ron Darling Sr. So Ron Darling and his father was my high school pitching coach. And this guy is an absolute legend. And he was the one who kind of turned me on to Bob Gibson. He said, you've got to start pitching like this guy. And, you know, so I'd look up clips and look up quotes and read articles on them. And, I mean, one of my favorite ones is, is his own mother stepped in the box. He said he'd brush her back. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's just the intensity that, that I like to emulate and bring to the mound. And obviously with the, you know, age of, of YouTube and you can, I mean, I can go out there and basically break down its mechanics now frame by frame. So it's just, it's really cool. But it, it was more of just a mental thing, not ex- exactly how he threw, but just like his, you know, his determination when he's on that mound and his mental process before he, you know, he steps on the rubber. Do you ever try and reach him and talk to him about pitching? I have not. I mean, that's that guy's like, 
I mean, upper echelon of, of, of all major leaguers ever. You know, if, if I definitely run into him, he's something, you know, I, I'm not going to be shy and go up and say hi to him and, and mention that to him as I have with, with other people that I've met throughout this game. But, you know, it, it'd, be, it'd be just an incredible conversation to have. This is an interesting book. I, I don't know if you picked it up, the, the Pitch by Pitch, which is, you know, the recounting of him pitching in the 68 World Series. That might be something that would, might interest you. But being from Massachusetts, also, you're a big Pedro Martinez fan. Now, that staff also had some guys that were, um, you know, weren't intimidated, one being Kurt Schilling, the other one, Bronson Arroyo, and a guy that, you know, wasn't intimidating but very difficult to, to hit in Tim Wakefield as far as his knuckleball. Um, why Pedro out of all those guys? Why was he your guy? You know, I, I just again, he, I think he brought, he kind of emulated, maybe in a little bit more of a, an outward way of of the no fear Bob Gibson style. I mean, he, you know, I, I can vividly remember the 1998 All Star Game. I mean, you had the three best hitters of all time, probably, or top, some of the three best hitters of all time up there, and he was just blowing balls by them, just saying, "Come get it." And and that's, you know, if if you can do that on on the game's biggest stage. I mean, there's there's no one better to, to kind of, I guess, mimic my game after. So obviously, being a hometown kid, I could see him on nothing. You know, every every five days. So here's the interesting part for me because you know, I have been so impressed by every single move that Brody Van Wagenen has done since he's arrived here in New York. And a lot of people don't realize it because it, it flew under the radar that Brody Van Wagenen's first transaction as a Met GM. Was signing you. Everyone talks about the Cano deal. Obviously, today everyone's talking about Wilson Ramos, but his very first move was you. And you look at your numbers, and you know we, we just had Duaner Sanchez, and we're talking about you know the Lugie, the lefty specialist, and he, he got kind of bent out of shape. But it is a role in baseball, and before you know, your surgery, I mean your numbers were astronomical. You held lefties to a zero seven seven batting average. Your slash line was one sixty seven to one ninety two, three fifty nine OPS, and that put you in an elite class uh, among the American League uh, loogies. I know you're coming off of an injury, but were you surprised that a the market wasn't as strong and that Brody Von Wagenen made you his first priority? I mean, to be, to be honest, like, it happened so fast, and that's how, how I wanted to get it done was just, you know, become a free agent, sign as quick as I can, just so I know, you know, I'm playing next year. And I'd say when it opened up at midnight, they, the Mets called a minute later. You know, it had, it had taken a few weeks to kind of hammer out details and all that, but, I mean, they were, they were on me from the start, along with a few other teams. And when me and my agent had sat down at the end of the season and kind of circled teams that would be a good place to go I, I was definitely like you know i'd love to go play for the mets like that that would you know it'd be great they they i think they're going to try to make a run this year and and definitely try to uh you know shape up their bullpen and so to be you know thought of to be a piece on that bullpen i, I was i was really excited to to receive the offer so what is the opportunity in particular if you take a look at what the roster was last year and there were bullpen issues last year and right uh, now the only left is daniel zamora daniel zamora because they're not Blevins is gone. Right. Blevins is gone. What do you look at, particularly as you're looking ahead to spring training to the season, to say what is the particular opportunity where you think you're the fit into how you see the bullpen being constructed, especially now with a new closer and basically a new eighth inning guy and Familia coming back? You know, the, the constructions, you know, obviously on the, on the front office, the coaching staff, and, and Brody as well, I mean, they're going to construct it how they want. It, it, you know, I just got to go out there and, and pitch as best as I can. If I get people out and I, I'm going to put myself into a conversation to make that team opening day, 
So I just need to control. Like, that's the only thing I can control. That's the only thing I'm worried about. But, you know, from an outsider's point of view, looking at Diaz coming in, Familia coming in, um, you know, Sano, I mean, Cano and, and now Ramos, it's, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're really not, you know, fooling around, I guess you'd say this year. It's, it's really exciting to kind of be a part of it. And I, and I am, re- I am personally excited to go out there and give it, you know, everything I have to hopefully make that team. What I like about the signing is twofold. First of all, you have a manager who is a, a pitching manager, Mickey yeah. Calloway. You have Dave Island, who is a great pitching coach. You have you know, a GM who is very analytically you know, driven. So to me, all signs point to that this might be one of the most underrated signs of, of you know, it, it's obviously you know, not the say, biggest yeah. move that they've made, but it's one of those quiet moves that you look back on and say, wow, you know, no one saw that coming. So the question is, have you spoken to Brody after the signing and Mickey Calloway, and have they told you what they are expecting you to do in spring training? No, I haven't. After the signing, I haven't spoken to them about, you know, what I need to do. Uh, I know my agent was just out there for winter meetings and was speaking with them, and, and basically what I got back from them is, you know, the talks were that they're expecting me to make that team. So in any role, whatever capacity they're having me in, that, you know, that's, obviously part of the brain trust and I'm sure that will be discussed in uh you know when I get down to spring training but at least the thought in, in my head is that uh, you know it's, it's my spot you know it's a, it's a spot to win it's obviously a spot to lose at the same time so I just gotta go down there and do as best I can how disappointed would you be if they said we're starting you off in Syracuse but you'll be back here by the second week in May I mean uh, you know there'll, there'll be disappointment you know if I'm if I'm pitching if I'm pitching to my, you know, as, as best as I can, or at least in my, in my eyes, as as well as I can to make that roster, and they tell me that, of course I'll be disappointed. But if they feel that's necessary, then you know that's what they feel like. Go down there, pitch well, and, and be right back. It's you know it happened before with Minnesota. I'm sure it'll happen again. So it's really again out of my control there. How has the Tommy John surgery affected the way you pitch, the way you go about pitching? Um, you know it's. It's funny. I think of my initial rehab coming back. Is I was just scared. You know, I don't know if the word scared, but I was just so worried about you know breaking it again. And and I actually had, I was rehabbing, and Alex Cobb had just signed to the Orioles, and he had gotten Tommy John. And he said something to me. He's like, "Can you throw a fastball?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Then you're fine." And it's just funny, you know, that that simple thought. Is, is about as accurate as it is. If you can throw a fastball, you're fine. So why, you know, why worry about anything else? So it's just funny. Like I was, I was very timid at first, but after he said that, and I've kind of obviously thrown well and thrown a few winnings since then. It's not it's in the back of my head. I don't even, I don't even think about it really too much. Well, the other thing that should give you encouragement is the guy who did the surgery is the Mets team doctor. So obviously right. the, the Mets right. felt confident enough in the surgery and, and everything they saw afterwards because it is their team doctor in, in Dr. Alchek who performed your surgery that, that they're fine. But I, that is a mental thing that I'm sure, you know, listen, you know, I was telling AJ, I'm, I'm certainly at a much different right. level, but, but I'm training for Met Fantasy Camp. I had my hip replaced like five years ago and in the cage, back in my mind, like I'm, I'm still not rotating my hips as much for fear of, of doing something and there's nothing there, but it, it, it's a, a normal feeling. And it, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's something that, that's difficult to overcome, especially when it is your livelihood. Yeah, you right, just right. don't want to go You're looking the... for one with a fantasy camp. Right. You know, this is, <laughs> Ryan's looking hey, for his career. Right. Hey, I've been I've been down in in Fort Myers for some of those Twins and Baltimore Orioles fantasy camps, and 
there's some there's some injuries that happen at those things too. So yeah. <laughs> listen, oh, if you get down to Port St. Lucie early, you'll be able to see me down there for sure. Um, <laughs> so you know, the interesting thing is that you know, you mentioned the fact that you and your agent before. Um, getting to the free agency that you know opportunity you circled some teams that had you know what you thought might be some interesting opportunities and i kind of looked at as well and you know i know you're from massachusetts i looked at the red sox pen they have one lefty that's it brian just like the mets in, in brian johnson was boston a place that you had your eye on as well um i, I mean of course you know I, i'd love to go to play for them just you know obviously from being from the area obviously that's you know growing up that was probably like a goal like i want to play for the red sox um and it was definitely a team we'd looked into you know just coming off a world series you're right there a little thin for left-handed help but i mean i can't you know me and my agent said it we said you know we we don't we don't control the market you know we don't control teams interests so it's not like we're going to reach out to them and and beg for a spot and you know we there was a little bit of chatter nothing really came through so you know, I'm just I'm honestly happy that that the Mets came through. Like I said, we had circled them; they had reached out to us about a minute in, and you know, from there it was like, all right, this is you know a match made in heaven in a way. Well, Ryan, we wish you the best of luck. You know, we know that especially in, in this day and age, that you know the lefty specialist is a very important role, especially you know in that. Division. Well, we don't know because that yeah. division might change a little bit. Yeah. You know, we don't know where Bryce Harper is going to end up. He, he might even be a teammate of yours. I doubt it. But you know, stra- <laughs> no, stranger not, things not, have happened. Not happening. Not happening. Um, but we wish you the best of luck. We hope to see you at City Field uh, a lot this season. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate it. I was uh, actually when I was going through the Mets process, I had had a pre-draft workout in college and. Me and my dad had drove down to City Field, and that's where it happened. So that was technically like the first major league field I've ever stepped on. You know, oh, you, you go work out cool. and in front of the scouts, and to kind of have everything come full circle now, it's it's, it's really cool. Yeah, I've been I've been telling people when when this signing happened, I, it's, it's just the confidence I have in Brody, and I just think everything he does is so well researched and well thought out that you know he's putting together a, a nice puzzle here. And uh, I, I told people, you know, it, I'm not a big fantasy you know baseball guy. I said, but this is a guy you might want to be picking up because I think he might be a big part to this Met team going forward. So we wish you the best of luck, and we'll see you out at City Field. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. You got it, Ryan O'Rourke, the first player signed by Brody Van Wagenen as the Mets GM.